0: How's it going everybody? Welcome into the fourth episode of season two. We're happy to be with you. Kyle, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. We got one week till March
1: Madness, so this is a bit of a, this is a bit of a dead week. We got some stuff to talk about, but I'm super
0: excited for the sporting events to come. Uh and yeah, let's get right into it, Rylan. What do we gotta talk about today? Well, I mean, first up for news, we got the NFL Combine, which it's still going on right now. We've seen We've seen our cornerbacks and D-linemen go. We've seen some wide receivers. And this is looking like, I mean, to be fair, the combine usually just ends up on social media just being a speed fest, Mm -hmm. like whoever can run the fastest, Mm -hmm. boost their draft stock the most. But, man, this has been a really fast class. The defensive linemen were the fastest since 2003. We had the fastest corner ever running a 4-2-3. I mean, it... It's been it's been pretty cool to see. Now, I don't think the combine is really I mean, yes, we're seeing the measurables of a lot of these players coming in. I I don't think that uh what you're going to see just on social media unless you're actually watching it really gives you much of anything to look at these players. Yeah, you'll see how how quick they are and how far they can jump, which are important things. For certain positions, but when it comes to things like offensive linemen, defensive linemen, at the end of the day, really not that big of a deal, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. It's always fun to watch. I miss football 183 days till football, I believe. So like half a year. I don't know. It's fun to watch.
1: The NFL, I mean, first off, the NFL combine happens in Indianapolis. So, like, what
0: cool stuff actually happens in Indianapolis? Uh, Indianapolis 500 is pretty cool. That's true. I'll give you the Indianapolis 500. Okay, here. just little, a <laughs> little offshoot real quick. I've been to the Indianapolis 500 raceway, and, like, the turns for that, like, you don't realize it, but the banks for that, like, raceway is so steep. It is crazy. Imagine. Same with, like, Daytona 500. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't look like it, but man, it is. It is really steep. Sorry, but that was a little. No, and, and good for you for pointing out that cool things can happen in Indianapolis. But one of them is not the
1: NFL con- Combine. I find the NFL Combine to be. Uh, I, I don't think I've watched a single second of the NFL Combine in my life. You know, like if I if I wanted to watch it work out, I'd go to the gym. With that being said, one interesting thing I did hear from the NFL Combine is uh that Bruce Arians said that Kyle Trask right now is the frontrunner to be the starting quarterback
0: for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Which is, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be real <laughs> interesting to see, especially coming off, I mean, they got Brady for the past 2 years. Mm-hmm. They got a Super Bowl mm-hmm. not this year, but the year prior. People thought they had a chance at the Super Bowl this year and I mean they lost to the Super Bowl champion. So, yeah, coming in with Kyle Trask, let's we're going to have to see if he's got anything in the tank cuz I don't know, man. Like he was Kyle like, Trask or Aaron Rodgers, that's your option
1: right now. You're the Tampa. Okay, buddy. no, that
0: the Bucks have. <laughs> I don't think the Bucks could actually afford Aaron Rodgers. And I actually saw today that apparently the Packers offered Aaron Rodgers the deal that's going to reset the whole yeah, quarterback I saw marketplace. That. I saw so that. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers might be getting paid. It looks like it's very possible that he's going to stay in Green Bay. So we'll, yeah, that that'll be interesting. But I don't think there's any shot he goes to the Bucks.
1: I personally think Aaron Rodgers is leaving Green Bay no matter what. Um, I really? think, yeah, 100%. Where do you think he's going to go? I think he's going to go somewhere where it's warm, bro. I mean, the dude's a California boy who spent 17 years in Green Bay, Wisconsin, bro. Okay, but what
0: what <laughs> what team could he go to outside of the Niners, which had been talked about last year, but then they spent yeah, yeah. a pick on Trey Lance, really high overall pick yeah. on Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo just took them way farther mm-hmm. than anybody thought. There's no way they'd go and. Right? There's no way they go and sign Aaron Rodgers. I'm calling it
1: right now, baby. San Francisco 49ers, bring him home. Bring Aaron Rodgers home. We're going to the Super Bowl. We only we only need him for one year. Give Trey Lance one more year behind Aaron Rodgers. Let the Packers have Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. My gosh, that <laughs> would be uh, – yeah, that would piss me off. Uh, He'd probably get beat up in the Bay Area, though, with some of his <laughs> – Some of his opinions, Aaron Rodgers.
0: Yeah, that might be true. But all this to say, NFL Combine's happening. It's not the most exciting thing, but it's pretty cool to see some players. Uh, It'll be more fun once we kind of get closer to draft time and really see, like, where the draft is shaping up, kind of see what's going to happen going into this next year. Because, honestly, the draft is one of my favorite things, like... Now this is this is more of a memory just for me and a couple of my friends, but the draft used to always line up with the day that the Marvel movies would be released in the spring. Oh. So we would go, we would go get burgers, watch the NFL draft, and then we went to Infinity War. The next year we went to Endgame. So I got real fond memories of the draft. The, the, now that's pretty cool. I'll give you that. And also, I like that. I'll honestly say that
1: like not no, hardly any good things came out of COVID, right? But one of the only good things that I think kind of came out of COVID was that when you had the NFL draft, when it was virtual in 2020, I believe it was virtual last year as well. I think there was like an in person part to it. But um, that, like, especially in 2020 though, you basically allowed all these guys to um you allowed all these guys to actually like be with their families and you got to like see the reactions of their families when they got drafted and you get that a little bit in the in-person ceremony but you know I think the best part about the draft and even the be- well, some of the best parts about March madness which we'll talk about next week is just like these college kids who are finding this new level of success and seeing their families' reaction to it yep. and so that that's one of my favorite things about the NFL draft
0: totally yeah but it's I mean we got we gotta couple months to wait there, pretty much. A little less than a couple months, but we'll definitely be talking more about that when the draft comes around. But yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all that's happening in the NFL right now. What you got next?
1: Well, I mean, March Madness is next week, but we had a big moment in college basketball this last week. It was Coach K's final game as head coach of the Duke Blue Blue Devils. Final game at home. Correct. Yes, as head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. Um, And man, did they choke. The tournament, yes, they did choke. They lost to North Carolina. And Coach K made a speech to the Cameron Crazies after the game, saying that what happened during the game was unacceptable. Um, but yeah, what a uh, anticlimactic way for I think undebatably the greatest college coach of all time—yeah, got it—his career to end. Um, I mean, honestly, at this point, there's only one way for his career to end to do him justice, and he's got to
0: he's got to take these boys to the national title game. Yeah, I mean, Duke's a great team this year. I believe before this game, they were ranked fourth overall in the mm-hmm. rankings. So, like, they're a they're a very good team. Now, nah, now, nah, I may be a little wrong on that, but I mean, they definitely got a chance. Coach K is he's got to be the best coach in college basketball history. Mm-hmm. But, dude, I think maybe the craziest thing about this game is, did you see the price of the tickets? Oh, my Lord. The average price of the tickets was more expensive than the Super Bowl. I believe it was around 7000 And yeah. the most expensive ticket was $80,000. Yeah. Literally a full year's like, a good year's salary. I, imagine being a student and getting tickets into the student section. Like, how lucky. Yeah, but I was talking to one of my friends. He was like, he goes to Duke. He was like, "Yeah, dude, to get tickets to this, you gotta be camping for like two months. Like it's uh, literally I'm impossible because because they only have room for so many students in the student section." Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, unfortunately, just there's no way to get that, them." That's one place I would love to go to
1: a game is totally. go to Cameron Indoor, um, go to the Cameron Crazies. Have you seen like? Um, Dick Vitale, who loves the Cameron Indoor uh, Stadium, he talks a lot about how the broadcasters where they're set up are so close to the student section that if you're a broadcaster, you don't want to wear
0: really nice clothes because you'll just get paint, hmm. <laughs> like all kinds of stuff, all over you. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's good fans right there. They're excited. Maybe, yeah, they're they're great fans. Duke fans are some of the best fans in the world, especially when it comes to the world of NCAA men's basketball. So. Yeah, it was, a, it was a bummer way to see him go out. I mean, after, what, 42 years? Yes, 42 years. After 42 years. It's a bummer for his final home game to be a loss. But hopefully, yeah. hopefully they do well in the tournament and can redeem themselves a little bit there.
1: Yeah, and Duke's ranked number seven right now um, in the nation. Uh, and uh they're definitely considered one of the top uh top dogs as far as teams that could win the national title. It's going to be a great tournament this year. We're going to talk a little bit more about it next week when we do our brackets. We won't uh we won't uh overdo it this week. We got uh, all kinds of conference tournaments happening right now and uh it's going to be
0: exciting. I'm super oh, psyched. I'm, I'm so excited for March Madness like we said. It it's got to be the best sporting event of the year cuz it's like the Super Bowl maybe be Maybe the single best day, just for me, because of how yeah. exciting it is. but since since March Madness goes on for so long, it's just day after day of just so much oh fun. It's, and especially
1: and it's so cool
0: because the way it ratchets up intensity, like
1: every round is just as good as the last round in that. like the first round, it's incredible because you know you're you're watching you're you're watching sixty four teams play, you're watching thirty two games and you're watching sixteen games. Um, and then, but then you get to the next weekend and all of a sudden you have the top 16 and all those games and pick up an in intensity and then you have the top eight and you have the final four. And so it, it's just overall, like, I, I, I think that it's my favorite sporting event by far, um, uh, of the overall, uh, of just, you know, everything that I watch and every all the different cool stuff we have here in,
0: uh, as far as sports, it's definitely my favorite. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, up next. We got a little, we got a little dive deep into a team, a team that is close to Kyle's heart, uh-huh. the Warriors. Yes. Over the past ten games, they're two and eight. Now I know they don't have Draymond Green right now. Okay. I know Draymond's supposed to be coming back in the next week or two. Mm-hmm. But going two for eight when they still got Steph Curry, mm-hmm. they still got Clay playing right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. There, it's not been a good stretch for them. Are they, are they going to be okay? Are they legit? <laughs> are the Warriors legit or are they they're just a fluke. They started out hot this season.
1: I mean, first off, we're still the number two seed. We're still forty-three and twenty-one. The Grizzlies are tied with us technically right now, but we win in uh the percentage and head-to-head tiebreaker. So we're still a two seed. I would be more nervous if they follow that three seed. I don't wanna to have to travel to Memphis in the second round. But yes, of course the Warriors are still legit. They still have um, three, possibly four, when Iguodala comes back, bona fide Hall of Famers on their team. Um, Ooh, Steph, think, Clay, Draymond Iguodala. You think Draymond, Higodala, you 100%. a
0: bona Hall 100%. of Famer?
1: And the reason, and the reason is because if you have any sort of a long-lasting quality career in the NBA, you pretty much are going to make the Hall of Fame,
0: dude. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> true. Like the Hall <laughs> of Fame needs to be. I feel like the mark for the Hall of Fame should be a little higher. But that's not what we're talking yeah, about yeah, right now. Yeah, and so if Carmelo can be a Hall of Famer, then Iguodala can be a Hall of Famer. But we can have, we can have Whoa. <laughs> did you just put Carmelo Anthony? Yeah, of course. And, and Iguodala on the of same? Of You're kidding. Carmelo Anthony can score. That's it.
1: Andre Iguodala,
0: Iguodala is debatably
1: one of the best defenders of his generation.
0: I mean, he was a very good defender. He's also I mean, a Finals MVP. Carmelo Anthony literally like averaged like 25, 26 points a game for multiple. Let me pull up Carmelo Anthony's stats real quick here. Has he ever
1: played in an NBA Finals? He also he, he also uh, was on the Knicks for seven years, and the farthest he got them was a, was a second-round exit. So, yeah, he's got clout, but... He is not. Give
0: me a. G- give me a. Give me, a, the, give me, he, give me a I, I, I don't
1: deny he's a Hall of Famer, but if he's a Hall of Famer, you have to put Iguodala in that conversation. Hmm. I
0: don't know, man. He had it. He had a year where he averaged twenty six and a half points. He had a year when he averaged twenty eight point nine points. Twenty five point seven. Twenty eight point seven. Twenty eight point two. Twenty four point two. Twenty seven point four. This man had like six or seven seasons when he was averaging over twenty five points a game. Like that is. Well, cool. Give, give me some of Viggy Dalla's stats. What, right. what What was he doing that makes him a Hall of Famer on the same level of Carmelo Anthony? Maybe he makes the Hall of Fame, but comparing <laughs> him to Carmelo Anthony, who's like a lot of people think of him as one of the best players of our like, – like top like 15 players of our generation, top 10 players of our generation. Mm -hmm. Iguodala is not in that category.
1: Scoring-wise, Iguodala is not in that category. I've admitted that. I will give you that. But as far as his overall impact on the game, his impact on winning, I believe Andre Iguodala is on the same level as Kamal Anthony as far as Hall of Fame debate goes. Andre Iguodala
0: is a Finals MVP. Yeah, okay. He's... (laughs) <laughs> that's That's a stupid Finals MVP. <laughs> Steph probably should have won Finals MVP that year. Like, you can't debate it though, he's a finals MVP. Yeah, okay, Malcolm Smith, though, One
1: of the greatest defenders of his generation.
0: Malcolm Smith won Finals MVP for the Seahawks. That does not mean that he like deserved it. He had a pick six and he tipped the ball up the game before <laughs> and that is why he won. Now, I love you Malcolm Smith. I met you in person. We got no beef here. Yeah. But like on mm,
1: Yeah, but Malcolm Smith doesn't have the overall on career this. longevity. I mean,
0: sure, I know, but just like winning a finals MVP can be very fluky.
1: I mean, but in the but you're comparing the NFL where it's literally one game. Versus the NBA, where that was six games. A six-game series where he was guarding LeBron James in his prime. Oh, dude. I don't know, man. <laughs> All right. But anyway, anyway, Sorry. The, point, the, yeah. point of the, the point of the argument here is that we got, in my opinion, four fide Hall of Famers on the same team, right? And yes, we've struggled. I will admit that. And have I been... Completely without worry during the struggle? No. We just lost to the Lakers. Granted, LeBron... Had- Dropped
0: 56. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lakers are trash this year, but LeBron is trying real hard yeah, to know. get Le- them to the playoffs. LeBron
1: literally took all of his anger about this entire season and just put it all on the Warriors, which, I mean, it was not fun to watch, but I have to. I, you have to admit, once in a while, greatness is going to get you. That's right? true. And so, um, yeah. Am I slightly nervous by the fact they're 2-8 in their last 10? Yes. Am I panicking? Absolutely not. Because I feel like by the time we, we're we going to get Draymond healthy, by the time we get into the playoffs, we'll have figured a lot of stuff out. I think right now what you're seeing is that there's only so long you can play without a guy like Draymond on mm-hmm. the team when Draymond's such a big... Because people don't realize how big of a piece Draymond Green is. I mean, he is he's, huge for this team. He's the quarterback of the defense. I personally believe he's the best defender in the league right now. We can People can argue that, but I think he's the best, most versatile defender
0: in the league. That he, is not true, but... Who well, who would you say is the best defender? Ben Simmons is easily a better, better defender. I know oh, he's not when, playing currently this when year. Ben Simmons but decides Rudy, to play. Go, Rudy Gobert is
1: also... Definitely okay, better. Absolutely not. You can switch on you can switch a guard on Rebecca. Giannis, and is, a, Giannis is a better defender than Draymond Green. I think that's very debatable. I think that when it comes to being able to stop the other team's star player, no matter what. Mikael Bridges he is, is a better defender oh, than Draymond. Okay. Green. Okay. Let's just stop you right there with the Mikhail Bridges talk. Mikhail right. Bridges
0: is Top five defender in the league. Yeah, okay,
1: I, you can say that, but you can't say he's better than Draymond
0: Green, who's literally a multiple time defensive player of the year yeah, and is the cornerback of multiple finals. Not teams. right now, though. Right now, 20, yeah. 2022 Draymond Green is not a better defender than oh, Mo Calvary. 100%. The part of the reason the Warriors got off to as good of a start as they did is
1: because they, when def- they didn't even have Clay, is because Draymond Green was locking dudes up on defense.
0: Which is what Mikael Bridges does every night. He's always on the best player on the team. And so is Draymond Green, and Draymond Green is more proven and is overall more versatile than Mikael Bridges. He is more proven because he's been in the league for a lot longer, but he's not better than this year. Would but you be able to put Mikael Bridges on Joel Embiid? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. Well, yeah. we wouldn't need to, though, because we have DeAndre, and who's another 7 but, but, but that's not the question. The question is, would you be able to? Guys, I'm not arguing here that
1: Mikhail Bridges isn't a good defender. You're right; he's a great defender and arguably one of the top five defenders in
0: the NBA. But you're saying he's better than Draymond, who can legitimately guard one through five. Okay, that's. <laughs> I guess that I guess that's fair. Mikhail Bridges is still like he hasn't really put on too much weight, mm-hmm. and so he can't really guard the five position very well if it's a true five. He can guard one through four and well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess someone like Joel, would be, okay, whatever. Yeah, and
1: so, but, but my point, my broader point here, we've gone to a bunch of rabbit holes. My, my broader point here is that when the playoffs come around, if Draymond is healthy, being able to facilitate through the offense, because you have to realize Draymond hasn't even played with Clay yet since Clay has come back. Yeah, like the day that Draymond got hurt was the day that Clay came back. Right. Um, and so having Draymond out there as the quarterback of the offense, being able to throw it out to the shooter Stephen Clay, Wiseman's going to come back here any day now. Which, Is
0: Wiseman coming back?
1: Yeah, no. I yeah, Wiseman's going to come back. he like has been, been, a been while. about to come back for the know. past like three it's months. Been very frustrating, and I'm not expecting. Like I think a lot of Warriors fans are expecting Wiseman to come back and all of a sudden be like this All Star center. Which right. I'm not expecting him to be at all. No. Literally, we just need a body, yeah. just a body down there. You, you need baby. your JaVale McGee, which <laughs> yeah. is what we needed last year in the yeah. finals. Yeah, we literally just need a body down there because I love Kevon Looney, but he's undersized in every single center matchup. Totally, um, and he just can't go out there and he can't go out there and beat these guys 48 minutes a game. You need another body out there, even if it's just coming off the bench to get rebounds, catch logs. And stuff like that, and also Wiseman's a versatile guy. Like he's versatile, he's able to spread the floor a little bit. That's true. Um, and so, so yeah, I I think that what would make me nervous is if Draymond this Draymond injury dragged itself out a little bit longer, because I think that the Warriors do need Draymond out there with the other guys to end the regular season, to get that camaraderie, to get that uh, chemistry back. Especially with Clay, so they haven't played with each other for what is it now, almost three years. Um, and so and and so, so you Draymond, legit. I think Draymond's gonna come back and I do think they're legit. I okay. think any argument that they're not legit, like considering the roster makeup of it. Yeah, like you can argue they're I mean, they're obviously struggling and yeah, it's not it's- ideal, but like once the playoffs comes around, you can't honestly look at me and be like, you're not at least slightly worried about the Warriors. Yeah, you don't
0: want to, I mean, you never want to play Steph. Yeah, (laughs) He's not having his best shooting season. He's in a bit of a slump right now. But like, I feel like when it comes to playoff time, I really feel the NBA, because it's such a long season, like these, these teams, such as the Warriors, where they know they're going to make the playoffs, like Mm -hmm. slumps don't matter as much as like, if you go through a slump in the NFL, you don't make the playoffs. Yeah. You go through a slump in the NBA, you have this bad, bad 10 game stretch, you're still like so many teams make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of issues with that. I think the playing game's dumb. No, yeah, 100 But that's a different conversation. But, yeah, I, I, I'm i going to agree with you. I, I think the Warriors are legit, but they, I think they do have a few things they need to think. No, out. No, for sure. And when I
1: look at the Warriors' championship seasons, I mean, besides the first season, because the first season was like an absolute fairy tale when they won the championship and they got helped out by some injuries, which I'm willing to admit. Um, besides the first season, the other two seasons they won, the NBA Finals, they had slumps in the middle of the season, even with Kevin Durant on the team. Totally. And so – um, I honestly think that having a slump or having some sort of adversity can really help you as an NBA team get once you get to the playoffs because the year that they lost in the finals, um, when they went 73-9, and I honestly feel like the 73-9 was cool, don't get me wrong. It was enjoyable to watch. Totally. Yeah, I was totally into it. But I honestly feel like they spent so they exerted so much energy in the regular season trying to get that record, and didn't really feel any like adversity besides having to come back from a three-one lead against the Thunder in the Western Conference Finals.
0: Then Kawhi happened, <laughs> and to yeah. be fair, Katie and Clay got
1: injured. Yeah. But that. It, but honestly, it was just like they didn't have anything left when it got to the end of the NBA Finals. Totally. And so I'm like two and eight is a little bit. Uh, more dire than I would would hope for, but honestly, I think there could be some value in having to go through this stretch, getting Draymond back, having to figure everything out. Uh, but we're all. But here's the thing: we're all wrong because we all know that the Portland Trailblazers are going to make the play-in game, get the eight seed, and ride it all the way to the NBA finals. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's never happening, but that's okay. Yeah, no, I, I feel a little bit that way about how the Suns right now—they're they're missing their top two players, which. It's honestly kind of fun to see the team play without oh, yeah. Booker or Chris Paul because they're still playing well. They lost last night to the Bucks, but, like, they were leading most of the game. Chris Middleton just decided to yeah, just go crazy in the last few minutes of the game. But, and, yeah, no, that's totally and, fair. And that's a great kind of illustration of how the culture has changed
1: in Phoenix, you know, because this roster of guys that you have right now, Like there's no like without Devin Booker or Chris Paul, there's no like obvious star. I mean, Aiton's close to being a star, totally. But like, there's no obvious star, and yet you guys are continuing to play really good basketball and continuing to win, and that just kind of shows to me, from the outside looking in, like how Chris Paul has really changed the call. Mount to Monty Williams really changed that culture to the point where when they're gone, because they say that the greatest. Um, the the greatest way that you can figure out if a culture is sustainable and good is if you take away, like, a great illustration of this is like if you take away a coach, right? Is if the coach is not there, that the players continue to play at the same high level or continue to practice at the same high level. Totally. And you're seeing now with the Suns where, like, you have Chris Paul gone, who was one of the biggest building blocks of this new culture in Phoenix, and they're still continuing to play at a high level. Um, and that kind of sh- and that shows you if you're a Suns fan, you should be really happy about that because not only is that good for this season because you know they're continuing to win games and they're going to get the one seed. I think at this point they're pretty much a shoe in for the one seed. Um, but not only is it that, but it's just the fact that you have these young guys who are going to cont- probably continue to play like really well. And you're looking at years and years of success here,
0: I even sh- after Chris Paul. I sure hope so. <laughs> I sure hope so. But yeah, do we want to do want to hop into our next section here? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, besides the the only other thing we can talk about here
1: is just the MLB lockout is continuing. We had some uh, apparently the MLB Players Association and the MLB agreed to some more stuff yesterday. Stuff that is, I mean, like it's important. But, like, it's not going to lead us any closer to the season starting because it's not about money. Um, and it's stuff that I'm really upset about. Basically what they did is they decided that they're going to ban the shift um, coming up next year, which I think is dumb because, like, you know, if you're a pole hitter, just learn how to hit it the other way. It just drives me crazy. Uh, they're going to ban the shift. Um, again, they're going to probably have a universal DH. They're looking at possibly implementing a pitch clock. Um, and then they're going to, in 2023, make the bases bigger. So first, second, and third base are going to make them bigger, hopefully trying to help guys uh, be safe more often when they try to run the first, second, and third. It's all part of MLB, just trying to add more offense to the game, Um, all of which I completely disagree with as a baseball purist. But honestly, baseball is better than no baseball. So if this helps in any way to get the season started, like, we'll see. But they haven't talked about the big stuff yet, which is the collective bargaining agreement as far as, like, what mon- what the revenue looks like as far as going to the players, as far as what the revenue looks like as far as going to the players, and what the revenue looks like going to the owners. And so yeah, still we're still in uh baseball purgatory right now, as far as that's concerned. Um so yeah, but that being said, we can now move on to something a little bit more fun and a little joyful. We'll
0: little trip down memory
1: lane. A Rylan and I are going to talk about each of our top five sports moments, and uh, let's just get started. You'll go number five, I'll do five, and we'll just go ahead. So, Rylan, go ahead, get us started.
0: Ah, <sighs> Well, this first one, unfortunately, is not a good memory. This one, well, okay. There, there's, a, there's a lot going on here in my fifth one. Mm-hmm. So, right, what I have written down is DK Metcalf's chase down, mm-hmm. one of the craziest plays that we've ever seen, if you don't know what we're talking about. DK Metcalf, probably 15 yards behind him, chases down Buda Baker, just an absolutely crazy play after an interception, saved a touchdown, huge play, total win for us on that on that specific play, but there's a little bit more to it this game. I, I don't remember being as angry as I have been after this football game in a long <laughs> time, because... See, I, I I enjoy myself uh, <laughs> a gamble here or there. And I, I may or may not have had money on DK Metcalf's over yards, as well as on the Seahawks' money line. And see, this game went into overtime. And in this overtime game, DK Metcalf takes a pass. Juke. He's going down the field, and he's gone for the touchdown. My over hit. The Seahawks are going to win. I'm happy. The Seahawks win. I make money. And then there's a holding call. <laughs> and then there is a holding call that takes the touchdown away, pulls them back. The Seahawks give the ball back to the Cardinals and the Cardinals go and win. And after this such amazing play by DK Metcalf, which saved the touchdown because they went for it on fourth down and did not get it. Mm-hmm. We still lost the game and I lost money. And my goodness, I just remember I was with my brother watching this game and I was just furious i was so angry it's a really funny moment kind of looking back now but my goodness i just (laughs) oh still still gets me going a little bit but that is that is my number five sports moment because that dk metcalf play though was one of the craziest things i've ever seen there you go yeah that sounds like uh that sounds absolutely heart-wrenching actually to
1: lose money like that um, before I go into my number five, just some honorable mentions here because I couldn't... Okay, like, I said we do them at the end. Okay, we'll, okay, we'll do the honorable We'll rapid-fire them at the end. end. We'll do the honorable mentions at the end. All right, my number five, 2012. There's this moment in the 2012 National League Championship Series, Game 7. Now, I'm from California, and this game was happening in California. And for those who are familiar with the climate of Northern California in October... It barely rains at all in October. Uh, our biggest rain months are pretty much November, December, January, and February. Sometimes March, and then after that, it's pretty dry and sunny. Part of the reason a lot of people like to move to California. Now there was an epic moment in the Game Seven of the twenty twelve N- NLCS, which, just for context here, the Giants were down three to one in the series, and they came all the way back and they won the series. Uh, four, they won the series in Game Seven. Uh, They won game seven in a blowout. They won nine to nothing. Matt Cain pitched an absolute gem after Ryan Vogelsong pitched a gem in game six. Um, And basically, it was pretty clear the Giants were going to win the game. It was the ninth inning. Sergio Roma was out to close out the game, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just started pouring in San Francisco, almost to the point where the umpires had to postpone the game in the middle of the ninth inning of Game 7 of the National League Championship Series, and Marco Scudero, who was, our, who was the hero of the uh, playoffs that year, a guy who we acquired from the Rockies during the trade deadline, he's at second base, and he just looks up to the sky and lets the rain come down on his face. And then the Giants win the National League Championship Series after coming back from a 2-0 deficit in the NLDS and then a 3-1 deficit in the NLCS. They go on to win the World Series. We all know how that ends up. Giants win the World Series in Detroit, sweep the Detroit Tigers with Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, um, and Anibal Sanchez. Um, they were definitely favored to. They were, they were definitely favored to beat us in that series. Um, but yeah, it was just an absolute surreal end to a surreal season. Giants win their second World Series
0: of three years. That's my number five sports moment. Hey, man, that sounds like a good one. And and they went on and finished it off, which was pretty sick. Yeah. Well, number four for me. This one is not related to any team that I'm particularly a fan of. Maybe the other way around is someone that's not exactly a fan of Tom Brady. Some biases come into play there being a Seahawks fan, but... (laughs) Man, Tom Brady's comeback versus the Falcons, down 28-3. to three. I remember where I was at, who I was watching <laughs> it with, and just being completely shocked. And honestly, of this game, Julian Edelman's catch across the middle, oh my Lord. three defenders coming in at him, I still don't totally understand how he caught that football. And then when they – caught put- between his legs, right? No, he he was like just barely – Maybe he did catch it between his legs. I feel like I'm mixing up a couple of catches here. Well, there was just some e- incredible moments. Either way, <laughs> it was it was an amazing catch. It, it, I just remember, like, being so confused how the ball did not hit the ground. But when they punched in that touchdown in overtime and they actually won, I was just, like, in awe. Like, that was when I was like, okay, fine, Tom Brady's the goat. And I don't <laughs> like to admit that, but, like, man, I – that's still just the craziest comeback I've ever seen in sports. That It was so, so impressive. I know. Yeah, and honestly, I was, like, happy
1: when it was 28-3 because I was like, oh, yeah, Atlanta's going to win the Super Bowl. I know. Matt Ryan's a good guy. Matt
0: Ryan closes out his MVP yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. It was Man, he did not close out his MVP season. He did season. not close out his
1: MVP season. And then it was so surreal when
0: they actually won it in overtime, when the Patriots actually finished off the game. It was just like hands on my head, just I'm, like, yeah. what just happened? I was just, yeah, that's insane. That's a good
1: moment right there. Uh, number four for me, 2016 Western Conference Finals. The This is where the uh, term Game 6 clay comes from. Warriors are in Oklahoma City. They were down 3-1. They ended, they, they went back to Oracle in won Game 5, but we kind of all saw that coming. They went into OKC for Game 6. Now, mind you, this is the Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Serge Ibaka, Oklahoma City Thunder Um, Absolutely stacked team. Still don't know how that team never won a championship. (laughs) Like, just just absolutely boggles my mind. Um, But anyway, they go into Oklahoma City for game six. And I remember watching that game, and the Warriors were down the entire game. Down by as much as 20, I believe, at one point. And they just would not go away. Would not go away. Klay Thompson ends up hitting 11 threes. (laughs) In that in that game, including one three, the three that actually ended up putting him up in the fourth quarter, where he was legitimately double teamed, turned around, and nailed a three from about 30-something feet, and ends up winning the game. I remember this moment because I was actually in Cabo, Mexico, okay. for my dad's birthday. Okay. And um, anyway, I was there. Uh, I was there. I was 15 years old, and we were there with some uh, family friends and stuff like that. And anyway, they all thought me and my dad were super weird because they were doing like, there was like this giant party happening outside in Mexico, and me and my dad were down in the basement watching the Warriors play the Thunder, and we got to see Game Six Clay happen. Clay Thompson goes off. They end up finishing it off in Game Seven. It's one of those series where you remember Game Six much more than Game Seven. Game Seven kind of felt like a formality at that point. Totally. And I mean, honestly, you can make a case that that along with the Draymond suspension, along with LeBron just being absolutely insane in the finals, completely changed the landscape of the NBA for the next decade. Because if the Warriors don't win that game, Kevin Durant and the Thunder go to the finals. We don't know what happens there, but Kevin Durant definitely stays with the Thunder. He doesn't go to the Warriors. Um, Yeah. And uh, and yeah, it it was just an absolutely insane moment. Um, From a guy who I'm super happy is back in the league. So hopefully we'll see another Game 6 Clay moment coming up uh, in this year's playoffs.
0: There you go. Well, number three for me is another just amazing comeback. This one is near and dear to my heart, though. The Seahawks' (laughs) comeback against the Packers in the NFC Championship game just still blows my mind. I do not know how they came back. I remember... (laughs) Tommy, I don't know if you're ever going to listen to this, but I remember I was watching it at your house in that halftime. It just looked like we had no chance. And, man, I remember seeing you tear up, and I was just like, it's over, isn't it? But it was not over. We oh, Just so much happened there. Marshawn scores the touchdown. We get the two-point conversion, which still don't know how we completed. We then get the onside kick later. And then we close it out in overtime with Jermaine Curse just over the shoulder. Just beautiful pass. And my goodness was that such a fun game to watch that comeback. But also, my goodness, was the next game so terrible. But we'll <laughs> we'll get we'll get to there in my honorable mentions.
1: Yeah, that I remember watching that game as well and being a 49ers fan, I was actually watching it on our road trip back in Yosemite, I believe. Um and uh, I was much more upset. I'm gonna be honest. I yeah. was <laughs> I was rooting for the Packers. Fair um, enough. But but it was quite a comeback. And honestly, when that happened, I was like, "There's n- the Seahawks. Are just never gonna lose again. Like they're just never gonna lose again." I, I wish. Yeah, that would be cool for me. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah. All right, my number three moment: 2014 World Series Game Seven. Uh, Giants. Giants are up three to two. It's the fifth inning, and Bruce Bochy decides to make. One of the most gutsy calls a manager has ever made. He brings out Madison Bumgarner with two days of rest, mind you, after pitching a complete game shutout in Game 5 of the World Series. Brings out Madison Bumgarner in Game 7 to come out and close out the game. Now, mind you, Madison Bumgarner had already had one of the greatest playoff runs that we had ever seen out of a pitcher. Uh, just completely dominant. Was dominant in the NLCS. Was dominant in the Wild Card game. Uh, got them to the NLDS and was dominant so far in the World Series. He hadn't given up an earned run yet in the World Series. Um, and uh, anyway, he uh, he comes out in uh, Game 7 of the World Series, and although he was a little shaky when he first got out there in the 5th, he ends up absolutely shutting down the Kansas City Royals to help the Giants win the world. One of the most improbable World Series. I do want to correct myself. He had given up one earned run. He gave up a Salvador Perez home run in Game One, but he only gave up one earned run in the entire World Series. That's okay. And he comes out, shuts down the Kansas City Royals. Fifth, sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning. We had a bit of a scare, but you know we won't. We won't have to talk about that. And. Uh, it was just absolutely incredible. I could not believe what I was watching. That's a heck of a it, moment. It, it it it's one of the and I my second moment is also about this team. That 2014 World Series team might be the worst constructed roster I've ever seen <laughs> in a World Series. I mean, we had a minor league first baseman in left field. Like we had a bunch of dudes hurt that entire year. Uh, it was just and also, honestly, we only had one good starting pitcher. <laughs> it was Madison Kevin Gardner. Everyone else in that rotation was beat up, tired old and somehow they found a way to win the world series still one of the most improbable sports moments i've ever seen and uh, absolutely mind-blowing to see a guy reach that level of greatness in the biggest moment so totally three moments. yeah
0: totally well number two for me this one's coming recently the sun's winning the west mm-hmm. after being a sun's fan for just some of the worst years of an nba team ever <laughs> like they were just abysmal for so long Seeing last year's playoff run, they take out LeBron in the first round. They swept the Nuggets. They beat the Clippers in the finals. It just it seemed very surreal, and I know they didn't finish it off. And that does hurt, but like, it felt like we were playing with the house's money. Seeing, mm-hmm. them, seeing them win the West last year was so much fun. I think really people really saw how good Devin Booker truly was mm-hmm. as he was on a tear through those playoffs. It was just so much fun for me. I I hadn't been that excited watching basketball in a long time just because my team had been bad for a long time. And so, I mean, obviously they're the best team right now, but, like, last year really just really just changed everything for the Suns, and it was so much fun for me to watch. There you go.
1: Well, my number two moment, you're definitely going to see – you're definitely seeing where my allegiances lie here with my top moments. But my number two moment – is uh, also from the 2014 playoff run, National League Championship Series. Travis Ishikawa, the minor league first base and we had in left field, who I mentioned earlier, comes up in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, the if the game is tied. It was already an absolutely insane game. Comes up in the bottom of the ninth inning, game tied 3-3 against Michael Waka um, of the St. Louis Cardinals, and hits a hits a home run barely off the top of the roof in right field at Oracle Park then it was called AT&T Park to win the War- to win the National League Championship Series send the Giants to the World Series for the third time in 5 years 6 to 3 win absolutely incredible this was a guy Travis Ishikawa who was on the Giants 2010 team and then was floating around in the minor leagues almost thought about quitting baseball that year was in AAA A for most of the year with the Giants they ended up calling him up and he got hot and they put him in left field he didn't even know how to play left field they they were going to take him out defensively in the game but Bruce Bochy decided to keep him in there for offense The guy was absolutely atrocious in left field. I'm not going to lie. I winced every time the ball was hit out there to him. But he made up for all of that with this home run. It was was incredible. Another one of those just super unlikely moments from those Giants World Series runs. Um, And, yeah, so that's my number two moment.
0: Totally. And my number one moment, I'm I'm sure many of you can guess it, but the Seahawks finally got their Super Bowl against the Broncos. I mean, that first play of the game, ball snapped over Peyton Manning's head. (laughs) I know people hate the Super Bowl because they thought it was so boring. But man, as a Seahawks <laughs> fan, I just wanted them to keep piling on points.
1: It was it was a three hour party for you
0: guys. It was a three hour party. <laughs> like from the get go, it just seemed like everything was going right, and it and yeah. it really did. And it was just such a good moment. It was one of those games as
1: a Niner fan because, as we all we all know, who the Seahawks beat in the uh, NFC Championship game to get to the Super Bowl? Yes. Where it made it all that more disappointing because. We can all agree that the two best teams in the league that year were the Niners and the Seahawks. Oh,
0: totally. Yeah. And so, and like the Super Bowl was the week before. Yeah. And the, the Super Bowl were. was the week before. And then we just <laughs> slaughtered the Broncos. It yeah. felt so good. Yeah. That is easily my favorite sports moment. hmm. It it was a pretty boring. We'll sport. get another one soon. As soon as Peyton, as soon as the ball was snapped over Peyton Manning's head, like,
1: I was like, crap. "All right, yeah, this is over. Like, there's no way that." <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, that was that was a great moment for the city of Seattle. I do remember being at least slightly happy for you guys, knowing that you hadn't won a Super Bowl yet, and to see that happen.
0: I don't believe it, but I'll take
1: the sentiment <laughs> for sure. Well, my number one moment is the first championship. I'm a lucky guy. I'm from the Bay Area. I've gotten to see my teams win six championships so far. Three for the Giants, three for the Warriors. I've seen a lot of great moments. This is by far my favorite because it was my first one. The Giants winning the 2010 World Series. Edgar Renteria with the home run off of Cliff Lee in the seventh inning. Mind you, the Giants hadn't won the World Series since 1954. It had been a 56-year drought since the San Francisco Giants had actually won a World Series. That's not even actually factually correct, because the Giants hadn't even won a World Series in San Francisco. The last World Series they won was when they were in New York in 1954. Um, And to see—I think the most memorable part of this was not only that I got to see my favorite team win the World Series. That was great. But it was that the game was on November 1st. The Giants were playing Game 5 on November 1st in Texas, and I was watching the game with my sister and my dad— And, you know, I was a kid. I was 10 years old. I was like looking through all my Halloween candy, you know, I was trading Halloween candy with my sister and my dad was sitting there with us helping us go through the Halloween candy while we were watching the game. And my dad's been a Giants fan his entire life. And when the Giants, finally, when Brian Wilson struck out Nelson Cruz in the bottom of the ninth inning to win the game, I remember seeing my dad as happy as I've ever seen him in his life. He picked up the candy that was in his hands. Threw it up in the air and yeah, and just like yelled as loud as he can that the Giants had won the World Series. So loud that my mom, who was actually driving home from work, heard him yell from the car across the street. <laughs> That's so funny. because it was because it was so loud, and it was just a complete moment of I didn't realize I don't think I ever realized how happy a sports moment could make me until that moment in 2010 when I was 10 years old and I saw my dad um, just absolutely freak out as much as I've ever seen him freak out in his life absolutely. about the Giants win the World Series. So, yeah, that's my number one sports moment. That's a great moment. Well, do
0: we want to run through these honorable mentions real yeah, quick? Yeah, so
1: we got some honorable mentions here. So I think it's just stuff that, like, we couldn't not mention because yeah. it was so good. Yeah, totally. We'll go every other. So you can start off here,
0: Riley. First one we got is just this past NFL playoffs, <laughs> this Bills versus Chiefs game just – We had, like, ten friends over. We were watching it with everybody. It was just such a crazy game. Such a good memory. It was
1: absolutely insane. Like, and it was, this entire NFL playoffs was insane. But that one game really encapsulated. Totally. Because I just couldn't believe, like, it seemed like the end of the game came four times. Totally. I was like, oh, there's no way to come back from that. Oh, there's no way to come back from that. Oh and no! Then, no way! <laughs> yeah. And then Mahomes, you gave him 13 seconds, which was 13 seconds too much. And then the you know we we the, the coin Crazy. toss the coin toss sucked, but hopefully they change that rule. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway,
0: right. you take you take the next two. Take- I feel like I can't take number three from you.
1: Yes. Yes. The next two. Auburn versus Alabama, kick six, 2013. Before the Bills and Chiefs, this had been the greatest football game I ever watched. Yeah, absurd. Chris Davis running back 109 yards, a missed field goal from Alabama to win the game, and everyone going absolutely bazonkers. So crazy. It it was the most insane football game I ever watched before the Bills and Chiefs. And also just match that with the fact that Alabama football fans might be the most crazy football fans in the country, as far as like how passionate they are about their teams. I can only imagine what it must have been like to be in Aub- on the Auburn campus or to have been on the Alabama campus when that game was going on. Oh my lord, uh, that that was just an insane moment. And then, yes, the uh, <laughs> then my next moment is from 2016 in February. Warriors were playing the Oklahoma City Thunder. Great things happened to the Warriors in Oklahoma City. And uh, this was the game where uh, Steph dropped 12 threes in a game. And uh, the most uh, incredible one came right before the buzzer where the Warriors decided not to use a timeout. Steph Curry came down and right in front of half court just launched one. Just <laughs> crazy. That ended up winning the game and shocking all of Oklahoma City. And uh, I remember that game because the Warriors were down by a lot going into halftime. I think they were down by, like, over 20 points. And I was super upset. And my mom was getting mad at me because I was getting so upset at the TV. She was like, you have to go down to clean your room because you're getting so upset at the TV. But I made it back up just in time to hear Mike Green go, Curry, way downtown.
0: It was just absolutely insane. But yeah, that's that's not a great call. Another (laughs) one we got is Ray Allen shot in Game Six. I mean, people call it the legacy saver for LeBron. (laughs) I I don't know if it necessarily is, but I mean, just crazy moment. And they went on to win that final. Because people forget, LeBron missed the three.
1: Yeah, he missed that. Like would have because LeBron missed the three, they would have lost that game. It wasn't for the Bosh, rebound, Ray Allen making the shot, and then we would have had. Probably years and years of talking about how unclutch that moment was for LeBron,
0: and how I mean, yeah, Kawhi would then have three championships. But yeah, yeah, totally. exactly.
1: Um, and then the last moment is a moment close to my heart, which is 2011, uh, the uh, divisional round of the playoffs. Alex Smith with the 49ers. Mind you, the 49ers have been like absolute like dog shit for like the last like 10 years before this. They had a couple of good moments with Jeff Garcia, but nothing really to write home about. And the, and the Alex Smith-led 49ers beat the Saints, who weren't that far off from winning a Super Bowl themselves, by the way, because uh, they won the Super Bowl a couple of years earlier, and led them down the field uh, to win the game with a pass to Vernon Davis in the end zone. They ended up uh, beating the Saints. Niners go on to the uh, NFC Championship game. They did lose to the Giants and the, one of those Eli Manning teams that makes absolutely zero sense how they won the Super Bowl, but they did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it, I just remember that moment as being one of my favorite uh, my, my favorite uh, NFL moments. So.
0: There we go. Well, that's all we got for you guys today. Hope it was a good one to listen to. I think it was a pretty good yeah, time yeah, today. It good.
1: Yeah, it was good. We got, uh, we got
0: to go down memory lane a little bit. i was happy we were able to do that. Totally. Well, have a great week, guys. We'll catch you next week as always, but have a good one. Peace out.